0: Onion Minute. I'm your host, Adil Kirchee, and this week, my guest is Holly Brady. Hey, Adil. Uh, and we are on Minute 81, which is one hour, 20 minutes, zero seconds, to one hour, 20 minutes, 59 seconds, talking, uh, where we get a lovely flashback in time talking about how all all the crew got together. So, Claire just lost the race. Claire just lost a race for city council. Lionel was a substitute teacher. All of them run aground in their 30s. Andy, uh, they're all in a bar, and Andy, we get this narration. But Andy saw their potentials. She found them all. And introduces Miles, uh, and has a lovely, uh, talk about how he, um, you know, says they're all a bit skeptical. Then she found Miles, introduced him to the group. This... It's Miles.
1: Hey, nice to meet you Miles.
0: Your
1: wow, I love your At first nobody liked him.
0: Outlive the person that created. He would say stuff like, You know, I wanna I wanna be responsible for something that gets talked about in the same breath as the Mona Lisa. And the, then, what uh, does that mean? What does that even mean? It just means immortality. He wants to create something that feels lasting, that Exactly, right? <laughs> uh, and then uh, his first project was his first good venture good. was movie phone for foot massages. Did it work? No. Okay, listen. Let's just roll with it. Let's humor on. Let's see if it goes. And then, um... But then things start to go well. He starts helping him out, so... Hey, Tim. And things started happening.
1: What I tell you?
0: He got Bertie a show for her designs. It did well. Got Lionel published. Duke set up at Twitch. Claire
1: elected locally. Looking at you, I love you back. You know, small stuff.
0: Bertie gets a show for her dossier. He somehow gets Lionel published. Duke set up at Twitch. Uh, Claire getting elected only locally. um, And the minute ends with uh, Andy saying, you know, small stuff, but it all, it ha, and we cut off. And of course, it's mostly narration over scenes of everyone in hilarious, quote unquote, period dress um, (laughs) in this pub, basically. We just never leave this flashback in the pub. We just see a handful of conversations. Well, maybe we do. I'm really bad at saying never when I shouldn't um and yeah basically we're uh we're just seeing these snippets of conversations underneath the narration of their origin story as a group and that's
1: sort of the the, this minute
0: is is a chunk of that uh first off what did you think ollie of the minute
1: i thought it was good um it's very funny right which is a weird thing to say because we're talking about a comedy movie but even the visuals of them in the pub are very funny like it it, is a random question for you uh Mm -hmm. you're living in in england and i'm living in ireland which are two countries which have proper pub culture as opposed to bar culture in america which is you know dive bars and cd and stuff Mm -hmm. i have never been in a pub that looks like the pub that they're sitting in that's meant to be some sort of dive bar (laughs) because there's so much space there's so much light and they're all sitting in the corner in the like half dressed to the nines like really really dressed up And I'm Mm. just thinking to myself, I don't think I've ever been in a situation like that where I walked in and everybody is that much level of dressed up. Even in London pubs where, you know, people can be a tendency to be a little bit pretentious depending on which area of the city you are in. You're not going to come across a group like that. So just seeing them interact with each other and knowing that they're friends in real life in the movie Mm. and knowing that they've been long-term friends in the movie, they still look so incongruous together. Like Batista... Uh, his character's Duke, I think so. Duke yeah. wearing, um, I can only describe it as one of the worst tracksuits I've ever seen in my life, huh. and, and he's got, what looks like a wig. I, there's no way that's his own hair, and I yeah. mean like not not Batista's own hair. I mean it's not the character's own hair. It has to be fake.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's definitely the implication. This is one of the things that I lo- really love about um, this movie, and, and the Knives Up movies in general, is the attention to detail on these things, right? So, like, he's wearing this, like, outfit, and, like, he's yeah. bald in the rest of the film, and you just know, that. It, and because of the way his characters were portrayed, etc., and just how good all of the other costuming is, the fact that this looks like a rug means it's supposed to look like a rug, and it's supposed to look like a bad one.
1: Yeah, it is bad. I, I You can see me right now, and uh, anybody who's ever seen me before knows that I am a bald human being. I have always thought to myself that it would be so funny for me to ramp back up. I'm I'm a teacher, a physics teacher, and I would love to just ramp back in on the 1st of September some school year and just have the world's worst wig and see mm-hmm. how long it would take somebody either a colleague or a student to just go that's a wig. In my head the wig I always picture is the one that he's wearing. It is ridiculous. It, Birdie is walking around with a feather boa and leather pants and a beret, and a beret in- in what's meant to be again a small well a relatively small town pub and i just think it's i think it's fantastic i think it really gives off the fact that these characters were already outsiders like they they, they are not a group of people who i imagine would have been the most popular of human beings which led to them being easily manipulated by miles
0: yeah and possibly andy and so, andy yes yeah so like what i like about um so i think i, I didn't say it in the recap but like you know it's Claire lost the election. Um, Lionel is just a substitute teacher. All of them are uh, a group of people running around in their 30s. And, like, you you get that sense from the sort of over-the-topness of, of their dress, whether it's the understatedness. Like, Lionel just looks uncomfortable in a shirt button too high mm-hmm. uh, and, like, a really conservative-ish haircut. Um, you know and the other like you said Birdie and Duke are sort of a bit over the top and Claire is the most nondescript you see her in the entire film right she's wearing a really plain uh, shirt that's like she's got the sleeves pushed up but it clearly isn't well fitted it's a color that kind of washes into her skin tone Mm -hmm. except for the orange lighting in the place like she and she's got like fringe below her eyebrows with a side-ish part so it's just kind of yeah just like really nondescript um and you're right it just helps portray this notion of them as like ragtags and then and what i really like is you then see andy coming up and she and then with miles and says hey everyone this is miles and he's got this like v-neck shirt underneath a black sort of pleather vest or something and he's got long-ish hair but it's like a bob but he's sort of half curled it behind his ears so it's just making his like forehead, forehead and face look big it's clearly like a, i'm trying to have a look but it doesn't that look doesn't match me oh uh, yeah uh, he's got the knickknackless he, he also looks kind of like he's peacocking like the other two but in the middle andy who's the one who saw the potential of all of them and and she's the one who found them that's what the narration's saying she's very well put together
1: she contrast. is incredibly well put together so if you didn't realise that Catherine Han is the politician in that scene you would mm. think Andy is the politician in that scene she is wearing a power suit that is a power suit and it really just gives off this vibe of this is the woman in control you were just talking about Edward Norton's character Miles um, so when I watched this originally so the first day it came out or two mm. days before it came out um, I'm watching it I'm going God, he reminds me of something and I could not put my finger on who it reminded me, I was like, he's dressed up as somebody and it kept going through my head. He's dressed up as a magician. He's dressed up as Burt Wonderstone is what I was genuinely coming into my head. It's like, is he dressed up as Burt Wonderstone? And then, so I went and looked it up um, to see who he was meant to be dressed up with and he's dressed up like Tom Cruise and Magnolia. So that's ah, that where hair. I was getting the stage, the hair, everything. Mm-hmm. And apparently, according to Ryan Johnson, or Ryan Johnson, he just showed up on set like that. That was him deciding that in this moment, that's the kind of character that Miles would have been using as his go to guy. But what I love about that is Magnolia's 97, 98. Mm-hmm. And this is set back in, so 15 years ago, so 2009, 2010. He's already 10 years out of date. Like,
0: that's really funny.
1: Mackie was 10 years out of date. in in magnolia and he's another 10 years out of date for a reference to magnolia um i I do have to say i think it's a fucking cracking look i mean (laughs) you look like such a but dude looks good too
0: oh yeah i mean i think that's what that's what i like about that choice is because the other two look like they're trying to be a thing he looks like you said a bit out of time but he's pulling the look off still right Mm -hmm. which which is the only thing that kind of Miles brings to the table, right? Like, if you think about what, what, what people are bringing to the table, Lionel's smart. Um, Catherine, oh, sorry, Catherine Hans' character, what's her name again? Uh, Claire? Claire, yeah. Claire is, like, clearly capable and, like, actually can is shrewder than she c- comes off. Yeah. Uh, but, like, Birdie and Duke are, are the most flighty of the characters, and then they're most, like, c- composed in a way that shows that they're not composed people, right? Miles is composed in a way that kind of says he might be. And that seems to be that that like he's the thing he brings to the table, which we kind of uh, we're, we're starting to figure out because of some of the slips he's already had in, in, in earlier in the film is kind of the charisma and the drive. Like he 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 knows what he wants to be. Right. And, mm. and at this point, Duke definitely doesn't No, Right. And and you can see that by like him having a look that he's not comfortable in. That's what it is. They're, they're, they're all three of them are in costumes that aren't who they are. But Miles looks like he's comfortable in it, and the other two
1: definitely don't. Yeah, it's the confidence for Miles to come in. Like, even the way Andy describes it as Miles had a way of seeing the potential in people. And the reality is that all of them probably saw the potential themselves and didn't have the ability to to get those achievements. Like, oh, he got Duke signed up with Twitch. It's not that hard to get signed up with Twitch. Me or you could do it in the next 20 minutes. Like, yeah. Um, but the fact that he got him in to get him hooked up with Twitch. He got Catherine uh, Han's character, Claire. I'm going to say that all the time. Catherine Han's character, Claire. Um, yeah, he got me her uh, elected to a local council. Again, well, I'm not sure how it works in the States. I'm living in a small town here in Ireland. I am 99% certain that I could be on the local council in the next six weeks. <laughs> like It's not that hard But it's having somebody who has the drive to just keep saying to you, like, you're going to do this. And that's effectively what J.P. Mackey was in Magnolia as well. The character, I think it's J.P. Mackey. That's what the character was telling men, you're worth this. You can do this. You can do this. Respect the cock. And that's effectively what he's doing. He's coming in, trying to lay all this like pseudo-psychology people. You can do this. You can But his own ideas are worthless, but he has the confidence to push other people who actually have the skills.
0: Exactly. That's, and then that that's what they all needed. Right. So I think it's again, uh, finding out this is the narrative that, you know, she's obviously told her sister, right. Cause we're getting it from her sister mm-hmm. that, but the Andy, Andy is clearly doing a lot of the work. She's the one who sees the potential people. She's found them all together, but the line through someone who hates miles, right. Uh, is, but he got like Ly- like he um he got Brit a show for her dossier he got uh, Lionel published he got Duke uh, set up at twitch uh, and Claire elected locally that's all even through the lens of someone who knows Andy and hates miles still has this narrative that he's the one who's doing all the work and that's like the power because because you're right he must have been this like basically a like a persona cheerleader um. And I'm glad you brought the the setup a Twitch thing, because I thought it was really interesting. So I don't know what it would have taken to get the show for the dossier, but if it's just for the dossier, then you just need evidence of a show and mm-hmm. some pictures, which means you find an empty space, you put it on, no one shows up, but you take pictures anyway. Like, again, you know, small stuff, but it, ha, is the end of our, our minute. But, like, the small stuff is, like, that's the one that I know the least about. But, like, as an academic, getting someone published... Well, I hate to break it to you. Lionel can't do that, right? He, or not (laughs) Lionel. um, Lionel can get published. Miles, yeah. Yeah, Miles can't do that, except if it's don't sit on your work, just send it out, that type of encouragement, which, boy, as an academic, is a thing you sometimes really would love, is is someone to just, like, talk you down from doubting your ideas and just send it out. And that totally rings true with the type of thing that's being described, right? And similar, like, Duke set up a Twitch, I'm Guessing it's literally the same thing, like you were kind of alluding to. It's like, hey, there's a website, just do it, just buy a camera and a mic, and just start doing yeah. it. You're playing video you go your games
1: game. 14 hours a day, Duke. The other yeah, eight hours, hit, you're just, in the gym, you don't sleep, you just yeah. Yeah. like yeah.
0: just hit, just hit stream and then have your day, right? It'll be fine, yeah. Um, uh, which you know, as a former streamer for a time in the uh, in the Pandini when I, that's what got me going was the schedule right and just like well I, you know our the website i uh help run and work for um gets free codes i don't have time to like play and review things so tuesday afternoon i guess i'm gonna take one of these codes out of the bucket play it for a couple hours and then on the oh almost plugged early on my craft beer and video game <laughs> podcast talk about that time and it was like ah two birds one stone great and also it meant that i took down time but like the structure for me was the cheerleader, but like someone like Duke needs to be like believe in himself because he obviously doesn't because look at how he 's dressed and sees himself
1: right yeah and it's it's such a i'm i'm never oh sorry up until this movie i'm gonna say i've never really been a fan of um batista as an actor mm. uh, a long time ago when he first came into wrestling, I was just at the tail end of my I think I was about 21 or 22 when he came into it, so I was just at the tail end of ah, I'm getting to the point where I'm not really into wrestling anymore, and mm. you know, it's going. Some of my friends still kept going, so I kept in contact with it peripherally, and you know, it's fine if you're entertained by it. It's like it's still good. The guys are throwing themselves around, etc. But Batista never really floated my boat. Then I saw him in a couple of movies, and I, despite what everyone else seems to think, I think he's actively bad as Drax. I don't think he's showing anything in any sort of range whatsoever up until the third um guardians of the Mm. galaxy movie and he gets two scenes and they're good but that's after glass onion and i saw him in blade runner 2049 and i actively didn't like him in 2049 it's just basically Mm. somebody said you're a really big guy but what if you talked really quietly Right. Ooh, a big guy who talks quietly. And everyone's like, Wow, Batista just did the best performance that any wrestler has ever given on TV. And you're like, Well, you know, come on. Low bar. I mean <laughs> But in this, I think every single mannerism Batista has in this movie shows a lack of self-confidence and a lack of understanding his own character. And I think it's brilliant. And even even in this one minute that we watched. He's in a couple of scenes. He's the last person to get into the big group hug. He's the mm. last person, like everyone else, it seems so, like he's talking to Miles. Miles goes to give him a hug and he looks a little bit, you know, oh, 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 yeah, like that. Like, And it just shows, like I said, it's a really good performance at demonstrating here is a big guy, but this guy has absolutely nothing going on and is being led by the nose. The only thing he has is the fact that he's a big meaty guy.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. And you're right. So I think from what I've heard is I actually think his Drax had some potential in the first movie. And in the second movie, they just made him like there wasn't enough material for him to work with because he just became it's like the literal thing is an interesting thing in the character. But that just became the a, 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 a set up punchline yeah. character by by the end of the by the beginning of the second movie. Um, but yeah, I think he was, very, he's very surprising in this because in a way that, like, if you look at a, someone like Dwayne The Rock Johnson, just, you would never see in the average wrestler turned um, actor because of that, that, like, this vulnerability and this, like, awkwardness just quote-unquote, isn't good branding, right? Exactly, yeah. That's the problem, right? And it's, but it just shows that he's serious about the role and acting. He wants to do well. And I think I read in an interview that, like, he... Um, Batista's, like... M- his method is, like, work with really good people and pay attention. Yeah,
1: and that's and how you learn. And learned. you can
0: see that, like, from those earlier films where he had some, like... Like I said, in, in Guardians One, I think there was like a spark or something really interesting, and then I don't think he got the lines. But in some of these other films outside that franchise, he's been given some more uh, less of a tether. Sorry, more freedom.
1: More, more line. Yeah, yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, um, and
0: and he's and he's showing that that's worth giving him, right?
1: Yeah, I think maybe as a lifelong Trek fan, um, having watched data effectively do the deadpan uh not understanding sarcasm not understanding irony thing for the first five or six seasons of um star trek the next generation then by the time you come around to see him batista do it, you're like oh right so it's he's just doing what data did but he's big and muscular but it's <laughs> like okay I, I, I also i'm aware that data was not the first person to do that there have been characters yeah. like this for 700 years but I just find that uh, as any time something that happens, I'm like, oh, I think he's just doing a Brent Spinner. Or Brent Spiner? Spiner, I think. Spiner, yeah. He's just doing a Brent Spiner. And I like Brent Spiner.
0: Yeah, I mean I, and I think I think TNG by being uh you know, hour long 24 episode seasons, um of but seven seasons like also had a lot more breathing room than some of the script. Like I said, I think um, Guardians, the later films, really just don't give them anything to work with. Yeah. But yeah, I think that shows there's only so, so much you can do with a character like that given that they have been in various forms whether you're a TNG fan or something else, you've seen this type of character and so it's really hard to see. It's hard for an actor to shine through small number of scenes and, and you know limited lines unless they're already very good and I think with from that interview, uh, you know what I got him from was that yeah he probably wasn't that good of an actor when he started when he did Guardians one and he's yeah. like kind of admitting it he's just saying I'm knows where I'm working on it and like the, and I have a good method and it see and like look at the results like it seems to be paying off
1: yeah I said I this was the first time I watched them in a movie and went okay yeah I'm 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 on board I'll I'll watch yeah. more Batista movies.
0: Um. Just let's take a small small you kind of mentioned it but like you said you said your your first introduction to this film was two days before it came out
1: yeah um so it was coming out on the 20 was it the 24th I think it was coming out at Christmas and yeah. then uh, so so I have a friend who runs the cinema in the local town that I'm in and he got a cut of it so they were basically it was meant to do you know the way it had, had come out in cinemas yeah um i think it was the month beforehand or something like this but it was like a limited run we did Mm -hmm. i i didn't get a chance to see that but mark my friend he was he was sitting there and it just got posted out to him he's like hey ollie Mm -hmm. we got a copy of like glass onion here i don't know why i don't think it's really meant to be here um so like it was Mm -hmm. on um so it was a digital thing so i think it came on like like a memory stick like they got a bunch of memory sticks or something that came in and he had just been putting them in the check and it was just like glass onion on it and he went do you want to come down and watch it we can put it in so went down and watched it in the cinema and it was it was great it was huge and I don't want to outmark so I don't want people to know which town in Sligo it is but this wouldn't be the first time like we saw uh we watched rogue one together the day before everybody else and nice. uh, it was fantastic just a, just there was three of us in the cinema just having an absolute ball and I still say that's the best star wars maybe but a lot of it could be just for the fact that it was just me and two of my best mates sitting watching it in the cinema so
0: nice um I'm super jealous I saw it you know not right away actually for I I didn't actually see it until 2023 Mm. just because of like travel holidays etc and then it was obviously on netflix and it's like and um yeah so and you've seen it since yeah
1: i watched it that first time and then i watched it again with a friend um she was basically saying oh i i really liked Knives out maybe we could watch Last onion so i did the thing where you said oh i haven't seen it um, ah. just, just to, uh, to make them feel better about the fact that they're, they're picking a movie that you've seen and I sat down and watched it and I think it was just as good the second time and then for this I watched the five minutes previous to this section and hmm. I've watched one minute after our section Right. But my plan was, I was going to do this and uh, I I knew it was going to wreck Darren's head. I was going to pretend that I'd never seen the movie and was only basing it on the five minutes we were watching. Oh, I was like, I really don't amazing. even know what's going on. But the last time I was doing a minute-by-minute minute with Darren, I pretended that I didn't know who Leonardo DiCaprio was and I think it annoyed the hell out of him. So Darren, I apologise. <laughs> I really won't do funny. it again.
0: Uh, I actually, for... Um, I almost... Because I missed the initial release and it was like, you know, late like January, February when I finally watched it. I almost was like... Because I knew this I, this was slated to record. I almost was like, oh, maybe I should just watch it right before recording. Yeah. Um, and then I'm not quite doing that because, uh, well, that was a long time to wait. Um, so instead I just like, oh, I'll watch it and then I'll only watch the clips and then I'll have the fog, hopefully. Because, of course, we this point don't know what's happening after this minute or the subsequent ones right that's the yeah. one of the conceits of this particular minute by minute series right is um as we don't go ahead until friday and then we can talk a little spoilery um so which i gotta wonder is, are there actually listeners who are just like every you know every weekday just watching one more minute with with the podcast and then stop
1: i would i hope so i hope there's somebody I, listening I, thinking I, that I, right now uh
0: if you are uh tweet us at gla- glassonionmen um but like i can't imagine holding enough of the film in my head buffer for the like months that this takes to broadcast to be like what happened in the beginning
1: <laughs> that's true yeah you wouldn't i wouldn't ever be able to keep that in my mind i like even chatting to you we're going to be recording the second episode now in a few minutes and yeah. i'm still thinking to myself yeah i will have to watch that second minute in between <laughs> Oh yeah, um, I have a so, question just Adil, about just yeah. mentioning in streaming. Um, mm-hmm. How do you? And it, this is kind of going off the beaten track a little bit, but for something like Last Onion, you you were saying that you watched it, you know, three or four months after it came out. Would you regularly do that with streaming movies? Because I genuinely find that if something comes to streaming, if I don't watch it in the first week. It just completely... Bl- for example, I have not seen Red Notice and I've not seen The Grey Man because I was busy both of the weeks they came out and they've both been out for like a year two years and I just don't have it in me to drag them up and, and put them on. Like there's always something else new or exciting in front of me and, um, and I don't watch as much tv as he used to so maybe it's because of that like just the new thing is always there and i just find that it's something like glass onion if i hadn't watched it in the first couple of weeks there's a re- legitimate chance that i wouldn't have seen it for a, a year like so i was wondering how do you find streaming like that does it do you get the the new syndrome
0: um yeah i think the other thing is f- something really weird so i used to like binge shows and, and anime and stuff and uh, it's like a very poor downtime stuff during, especially during my PhD where I would just like burn, like I feel burnt out. So I just vegetate and watch a whole bunch of TV for Mm -hmm. a week when Mm -hmm. I should be writing. And that's not introduced that those memories of weird guilt that was probably misplaced. Um, But um, something happened in the pandemic. I think it's because I, I generally tried to work out of the house and then I couldn't find the balance of, so I actually like read all the studies and I was like, okay, so good work-life balance is to find a place to work, even if you don't have an office, find a cafe or whatever. Some sense of the same place is ideal, but obviously maybe that's not possible. And then home can just be home and you that's the way to leave the, ho- the stress yeah. out of your living space. And I finally got myself uh, to a place where that was how I did things, finished my PhD, And then the pandemic hit and I couldn't do that anymore. And, and the weird thing that happened there was I just kind of didn't do either. Like I just, all my, so like podcasts I used to listen to religiously, often in the commute from home to wherever work was. Mm -hmm. And then I really struggled to, to keep up with any podcast. Like I used to have like a whole shit ton and like ones I thought I liked, but I liked them in the situation of like getting from a place to a place. Um, and then it turns out that uh, I got diagnosed with um, ADHD last year, and that makes a lot more sense on why I needed to tune the world out in certain times or needed some stimulus. Yeah. Um, but, like, staying at home, it was like, oh, there's a- I'm in my room. I don't need to listen to – I don't want to just lie in my bed or sit at my desk and listen to a podcast. So then, like, I just slowly started culling them off, and watching TV and movies weirdly came in the same mental space, so I just watched less TV than I ever have. And there's a long road um, to saying, yeah, I kind of do miss these things. Um, I tried to keep a running list of things I wanted to see, but that just got too long. Uh, I'm also a little more picky and a little more happier to stop things. That happened sometime in the past 10 years. So pre-Pandini, I was like, I used to be a completionist. And that's actually why the to listen or to watch lists kind
1: of get big (laughs)
0: Yeah, get big and feel like a big pressure. And then it's like, oh, I'm no longer liking this show. I'm just going to stop. Yeah. Neat. Um, I, uh, and, I do. And, yeah, I think that's uh, where I'm at with, like, I don't really mind that I don't see Red a grey man. But at the same time, I like having my list because when I'm in the mood to watch a thing, I don't, I'd rather look at my list than try and browse Amazon Prime or Netflix. Yeah,
1: 100%. It's better to have the list. Uh, just, you were talking about completion. Sorry for, for trying to come mm. in there. Oh, no, um, Go ahead. I used to be that way with book series. And there are. I have I'm going to say wasted it's never a waste to read book series but I have read so many long-form fantasy book series like the whole way through to book 10 and did not enjoy them just because in my head I was like well I started it I have to finish it I have to I have to I have to and it wasn't until um I would say I'd say I was touching 40 when I just went I don't have time for this. I don't, it's, like, it's fine. It's grand. You don't even need to buy them. I used to buy them in bulk. Like I'd buy the 10 books of the Malazan and then I right. go, that's my next, I'm going to be reading these for the next month and a half or whatever. And then eventually it just got to the point where I just went, it's not worth it. Like my time, maybe it's because you're getting older, the impending doom of death is coming up and you're like, I don't want to waste time on books that I don't read. So now with TV series, it's the same. Um, Like I stopped watching Breaking Bad Uh two seasons in and everybody I, I, it, I'm i aware that I'm in the minority here I watched it and I just did not like it just it was not for me there was none of the characters that I could identify with there were none of the characters that I liked and I just said I don't want to watch another three or four seasons of this where I there's nothing for me to cling on to in any sort of of hope that there's going to be an improvement because everybody seems like a dickhead and I get it that people change but at this stage when you, as you said, when you're running out of time and you have less time to use than you ever feel like you had before, it, it comes to making smarter choices and better choices with your time. And that's what I've done. So yeah, I, I fully understand what you're talking about. And it's nice to have that list of, that looks interesting, might come back to that later.
0: Yeah, and like the other thing is, this is gonna shock you. Sometimes thinking about the word helps figuring things out. So entertainment Mm-hmm. it's meant to entertain you and so if you're no longer entertained you are no longer consuming it for the purpose in which you have chosen to do the thing yep and like and i'm not saying everything should be happy and dopamine like pushing because like you can be entertained in different ways right mm-hmm. like but like i all i watched i think three episodes of breaking bad and was like ah and like I know it's huge and landmark, but I don't feel bad about choosing not to watch it. That's nope. the difference of like I'm actually have. When I finally stopped being a completionist, I still I had like guilt about not keeping it with zeitgeist and stuff. Same thing with video games sometimes. And be like, oh, you know, that sound seemed cool. I should really or I bought that game. I should really play it. It's like, well, no, that's a sunk cost fallacy. I I didn't. I, I I may have wasted the money, but if I'm not in the mood to ever play that game. The solution shouldn't be find time to play the game, right? <laughs> and it's it's still a struggle, And same. And, and, but it has helped me. Like, I used to never reread stuff. Yeah. And actually, except for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy a trilogy in five parts, which I read every year from the fourth grade to fourth year undergrad uh, and got new things throughout that time, um, just because, you know. And it's like, oh, this is why rereading things is cool and good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think reminding yourself that time is finite, but also what is the, what are you trying to achieve? And is that being achieved? It sounds dumb and some might say utilitarian, but I don't mean it in that sense of like pure perfect goal oriented stuff. Cause a lot of this is amorphous, but like, if you're reading a book and it feels like a slog and you don't feel like any part of the ending will redeem it, don't waste time trying to confirm. Yeah. That, unless you want to feel good about being right, in which case do, right? <laughs> but like, have the thought, right?
1: I'm going to put all those hours into proving myself correct that I didn't enjoy this. And that's so, my enjoyment.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a perfectly valid form of joy, because it's joy. And all forms of joy are joy, right? Yeah. Again, the word is the word.
1: I remember uh, I remember talking about somebody before, and they, I can't, well, it might have been Mad Men. And they hated Mad Men, hated it but watched it every week. And I would say to them, like, wait, I am just hate watching it at this point. I just I'm hate watching it. And the idea of hate watching is a real thing where people watch something oh, yeah. just to give out about it or because it's in, as you said, the zeitgeist and they want to talk about it at the water cooler at work because that's what people apparently still do. But I have recently come across people who claim that they hate read books. And I think that that is one of the fundamentally funniest things I've ever heard in my life. Like there's there's an an author called Terry Goodkind. He's a bad author. I do not recommend his books whatsoever. I stopped. It was one of the first series I went, nah, this this is bad. I'm out of here, right? And I chatted to a guy online there recently in a book group who was adamant that he had read all 12 of those books, didn't like any of them except the first half of the first book, but kept reading them because he was hate reading them. They're all 800 pages long. Wow. like how many hours of your life did you waste just so that you can come onto to a, a facebook group and go I didn't like these books yeah I, I just i don't get it i think it's hilarious that people would have that level of bile against something like that
0: yeah i think it's but again i think it's great that they can find the joy in that i, I mean i personally would rather be less stressed and <laughs> find less stressful joys but again not yucking their yums even if their yums are yucks <laughs> uh, um let's uh, uh i wanted to talk about a few moments in the scene before we i warned you ollie that i, I tend to record long there's
1: there's <laughs> no no rush no worry yeah, with me but um, i but i recorded three hours on gladiator yesterday so
0: nice uh yeah i seem to be averaging 45 to 50 minutes per minute on on glass Engine. Yeah, so it sounds good yeah, but uh, if we go to like around minute six or second 16, this is right when um, Miles is like being introduced. I just really loved because we were talking about like the way the small details kind of show a lot, right? And mm-hmm. so this is right around where Andy's like, I introduced Miles to the group, but they didn't like him right away. And you have this lovely moment where uh, Lionel is like in a booth, Andy comes up behind him and says, This is Miles. And so Lionel's kind of turning awkwardly to say hello before Miles can come in line with him because and that shows a really great awkwardness of oh I should say hi but not waiting for it to be more natural mm-hmm. and then Miles like waves and then Lionel puts his hand out and for a handshake and then Miles does the hand grab pat on the like the bro-y, bro-y thing yeah bro hug thing um, and like doesn't even because of the awkward turn can't quite get to the shoulder so it of pats the bicep uh and then um and then finishes with a handshake that Lionel's already like let go of it's such a great piece of acting on both their parts cuz he like they've totally misread each other it's not that they're both leaning in too quickly cuz they're they're secretly insecure and eager but one is like boisterously so the other one is nervously so so and then as um miles realizes it was a handshake he kind of like pats the bicep pulls back and like shakes the mm. hand and Lionel's just staring at his own hand open and miles <laughs> gripping it yeah as the and miles is already looking to the next people because he wants to say hi it's just that moment it's probably my favorite part of the minute because it's these two actors doing such a great job of being Unnatural together, yeah.
1: And it, it this is going to sound like a really silly thing to say, but or maybe not silly, but a really weird thing to observe. Um, Edward Norton does a great lean like his lean into the booth is like yeah. he's coming in, and the way Ryan Johnson has filmed it, so you're, you've got the frame of the entrance to the booth on either side, and him leaning in from the outside. A real I'm now entering your world i am now part of your world and it's just a really really great moment like and as you said it's one of those small little things which people just gloss over because it's just oh it's the introductions but little things like that really make a difference to show the 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 strength of a person's character you can also see andy sorry andy shows how many times i've watched uh how to lose a guy in 10 days you can see birdie (laughs) is very excited to get to meet the new person she's like oh finishing up our conversation and, and ready to, to come straight across to him. So yeah. again, showing exactly how each of these people are going to interact with each other in future.
0: Yeah. Um, I also really like the lighting in the bar. Um, Cause um, in the, so like right out of that scene, we get a, we get the line that nobody really liked him right away or whatever. I didn't write down the exact verbatim. Uh, and you get like, do kind of grumpy, and Bertie leaning on him, but like unsure, kind of pursing her lips. Uh, and Claire being like, what the fuck just happened? Sorry, what the bleep just happened? Uh, and Lionel just shrugging and taking a drink. And it's just a great shot of the ways they show that they don't want to be here that are so true to their characters. Um, and and then meanwhile, Andy's off screen. You see her grabbing the beer and just guess, casually taking a, 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 a drink. She's fine. She doesn't even have to be on in frame for you to know that she's not uncomfortable with this. And they're like, 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 and then, and then it cuts to um, Miles. And this is where I really think the lighting's clever because they're all kind of being hit on that shot, right? The shot where you see them as kind of like a panel
1: because
0: mm-hmm. they're all in the booth part, right? Um, they're all kind of on the same level of lighting. It's all, there's not a lot of shadowing and it's like medium lighting. And then when you cut to the the, the side of the booth where it's Lionel, Andy, Miles, it's progressively, it's lighter or like Lionel's mostly, um and they've got clear like a top spot yeah. with, at an angle. So like their foreheads and their faces are getting lit up, but their bodies are really dark. But also when you look at how lit up Lionel is compared to Miles, um it shows that like, actually the lighting is kind of only on it's aiming kind of more behind them or and so by by miles leaning forward he's like getting into the beam but that so like their his face is more lit up because he's leaning into the table while that table's dark and their body their torsos are dark and it really helps show the like one of the reasons lionel isn't as lit up as like is because he's kind of pulled back and like unsure and andy's just it's like the the spot is for her face and the reason why uh miles gets a little more light is because he's leaning into the beam and the reason why lionel doesn't isn't and again that lighting decision just feels like very much showing this like she's the confident puppet master not actual puppet master but she's the one who's like pulling the strings keeping everything together she's the one who gathered everyone she's the one who's calmly confident doesn't need to be moving to be lit up yeah. right and Miles is this weird new thing in their group who is more lit up because he's leaning into it. He's this, like, his job is to be the frontman charisma guy. And even, and like that, and he's like putting his hand forward into the table. He's gesticulating when none of them else are sort of talk with their bodies. And this is when he says the, like, I want to be someone who's talked about in the same breath or the same line as the Mona Lisa." Right, yep, um, that's same breath it. as the Mona Lisa, and, then, and it's like such a great moment because this is the first time we. This is them being skeptical, and he's like, got this slightly maniacal look on his face, and the light is hitting him because he's leaning into the light, uh, and it and he's just such a different
1: energy, and it's a real indication of of what's going to happen with them as they as they move forward. Is mm-hmm. he says that this big? What what does that even mean? The other people respond, but what does it mean? But it cuts to like it's a quick cut it's andy who's explaining it to the rest of them yeah. It's andy who's getting it across it means that he wants to be remembered it means that he wants to be this and the other people are like oh yeah that makes sense and that's exactly what he has been like this entire time and the whole way through the movie throwing out ideas like yeah. child equals nft right like this is the kind of stuff that he does but it's always been left to andy the actual brains in the company to keep things on, or keep things on a level that everyone else can understand, and it's not just waffle.
0: Yeah, it's like he's like a shotgun ideas man, but he can sell ideas. But the, the you need to someone needs to be like, no, that's the pellet that's actually gonna is the one we. Should that's fantastic. the
1: one we should use. Yeah,
0: right, and and yeah, and so like it's under the guise of Andy's interpretation, but really it's actually just we This is a good idea, and he I can aim him at it because he's already aimed at it kind of thing hmm. um, but yeah so what I also really like is um, the what does that mean line is Benoit because we cut to the
1: yeah, p- it present generation is happening
0: yeah. and they're just calmly walking on the uh, on the island and it shows it reminds you oh yeah this is this is all like uh, not even a flashback this is like a weird like representation of this secondhand. Telling Story of what yeah. happened because, of course, no one in the conversation we're listening to was yet actually there. Yeah, I love that extra like bit of removal.
1: And this is another reason and I'm sure people have talked about this before on the previous episodes. Um, but Janelle Monet is fantastic playing both of these parts. Like, mm. it, it's very hard. <laughs> I was gonna say, it's hard enough when people are playing twins. And they're meant to be faking each other and as close to each other as possible. Yeah. But these are two completely different characters with completely different personalities, completely different IQs, completely different motivations. And she manages, despite the fact that I was gonna say they look a lot alike. Yeah, because you both play by Gillemon, and. But despite the fact that they are two incredibly beautiful women with identical features, they feel so distinct. Because when she talks as either of the two sisters, they are two distinctly very different people from each other yeah it's, it's a it's a brilliant performance,
0: yeah, like helen uh, is so much more reserved she's and she like plays herself as like andy's sort of andy's the limelight sister, and I'm yeah. used to being here, and so like she actually like th- the moments she's talking about this is some of the more animated ones and she's talking about Andy and it's because like, she's always been seeing Andy in the light.
1: Yeah. Uh, Which again, actually,
0: yeah. Which now that I think about how well lit Andy is in, these scenes and it's her narration is also a very clever thing being done. But yeah, I think the, the, the like wrangling of, Oh, here's what he meant by is such a clear, it's such a really well written for such a small amount of space of, Andy's role and and Miles's role in the group right mm. but also uh, it hinges on the rest of the group not noticing that's what's going on because they're all their own version of burnout right yeah yeah and like yeah so Lionel's like it was movie phone for foot massages and then Birdie's like playing with the straw and goes did it work and he's like no <laughs> and she goes and she just makes his face like what the fuck are we doing and Andy's like oh let's just give it a chance <laughs> I remember.
1: The idea See where it goes, right? The and idea he that comes, he says no so quickly, like as if, what are you even asking? Of course it didn't work like.
0: Yeah, it's the dumbest idea. <laughs> Dumb ideas don't work. Yeah. Um but then what I really like and what I, I recognize the time but is this last like 10 12 seconds of when we're going over all of the ways he helped? Right? Yeah. Suddenly not only is it um Bertie got the show for a dossier. Um, but she's not in her overdressed thing. She's in a really, really nice... Um, it's classy, like Elegant, so looking, yeah. fitted, great look. Her makeup's nice. Things aren't in the way... Her hair's down, but like in a good good coif. And she's legitimately smiling and cheering. And that this, this shot is like... I really like the shot as the beginning of this montage because it starts with her arms already open yelling. And she's holding a drink with one hand because we're in the bar. But we've got a light source behind her, and it and, and it and it's doing sun stars, mm-hmm. which just makes you feel like you're in the bar. Yeah, like we're still in the shitty bar. This isn't a fancy place. Why are we having a reflection? Who would we should have moved that light slash? What is it even doing there? Um, and and obviously there's still enough of a main light in the on the st- soundstage that her face is being lit up but it gives us this notion of her being backlit and she's supposed to be a star we know this is the beginning of her stardom it's just a really well crafted well lit well um wardrobed way of communicating this is she's like she is the birdie this is yeah. the this is the beginning of the birdie we we've seen up till now which is this overly confident in herself um like Big persona, like
1: wherever I am, I'm feeling comfortable. Type person. Yeah, and all of the rest of them have started to dress slightly more in character as well at this point. So they're a change with the exception of Miles, who I still think is wearing the leather and mm. leather vest.
0: Well, yeah, and what's what I liked is got Nile uh, Lionel published. He's still wearing a blue shirt, but it's got bigger buttons and it's buttoned down a couple, and he's got an undershirt, and he just it just. It's like i I don't know if they've done any his hair or if his glasses are the same he's clearly the uh, acting wise it's it's a very much a confident I'm more confident, but I mm. love how that subtle change with saying the same color, but he just looks in a way that he looked uptight and like he was like crunching to turn in the booth now he just looks comfortable he's casually got his arm draped over. Dave Bautista, who is a larger man than him, right? Mm-hmm. And but he still looks comfortable because they're just celebrating, and he's like holding a drink that's in a some sort of wine, a stemmed glass. And instead of the tiny little like weird beer glass he had before, in in that ha- second and a half you see him because it's that's the line where both of them get sort of dealt with. Great, and Bautista's wearing a hat backwards, which sort of implies he got
1: rid of the rug He got rid of the the toupee, so he's yeah. got just the hat on because again. Somebody's given him the confidence to be like, Look, dude, just, just go with it, just run with it. And that's what he's done with everybody. When, when we get to um, Catherine Hans' character, Claire, uh, when we get to Claire here, uh, she's the same. She's now wearing a much nicer, better looking suit. And it's yeah. just a real indication that he has come in. Andy hasn't changed. She still yeah. looks a million dollars, and Miles hasn't changed because Miles doesn't think he has to change. Miles has already achieved what he wants to achieve and he's just going to help with the rest of the people so I think it's a really clever way of using costuming to show this is where everybody else is at at this point and it's a real indication that everyone else in the group relies on those two relies on Andy and relies on Miles
0: I will say I think Andy looks a little more put together as if she's benefited from those successes so she doesn't Mm -hmm. like it's just like she's got uh, instead of just like that black coat or blazer on black etc she's got like a white shirt buttoned up with tight collar and then this really nice um, blazer that's like uh, sort of uh, like a gray panel uh, blazer but with really nice details and lines underneath it just a really look it just has such detail and I love how this the shot talking about how you know small stuff but it has right that line that we're about finishing is shot up into her face Mm -hmm. while she's writing something down and so it's like all this is happening and she's None of those that list was about her, right? But mm-hmm. we cut to her, and she's writing, and she's looking very powerful. It's such a good shot that again, that that sort of slightly angled overhead thing is just lighting up her face. Um, her hair just looks impeccable. Uh, she's l- looking great, and she's planning something, mm-hmm. right? And that's like while all this stuff is happening, there she is. This has obviously benefited her. She's even more. She's just as confident, but she's gotten some change. But she's still working. Yeah, because this is what she's working at. I think yeah. it's such a great end to it, to the minute that again is this narration of like they hated like the surface levels. Man, everyone's down in luck. Andy kind of met these guys, and then this weird guy came in, and he made things happen. And but if you watch the clip, you see that he is integral, but he did not make it happen. If that makes sense? Yeah,
1: and it, it, as I said, it's really interesting. It's just showing that each of them, each of them is now re- using their talents. But it's because somebody else has empowered them to go use their talents. And that's his skill. His skill is being the front man. His skill is being the Steve Jobs to the Steve Wozniaki Wozniacki can't talk on stage. Steve Jobs can mm-hmm. talk on stage. Who the, becomes the f- face of Apple for the next 30 years? Steve Jobs. Yeah. Great.
0: Well, Jess, um, I think that's a good way, a place to stop us because we've got more of this story to come. Thanks, Ollie. Uh, Do you have any plugs you want to share with
1: us? Um, Yeah, so I'm a guest co-host on a podcast called Judging Book Covers where we take a book, we read it, and then we dissect it with Megan Griffin who has been a co-host on... I think she's a co-host on... Glass Onion Minute she definitely was on Knives Out Minute and I think she is on Glass Onion Minute Um, and uh, Stephanie Cortez who's been a guest on Knives Out Minute Um, and I also uh, do guest spots on Media Evil with Sarah F. Decker she's a medieval historian and she watches uh movies and reads books that are set in the medieval period and then she dissects them she talks about how interesting and what to get right and what to get wrong and i talk about how i like when dudes get stabbed in the face because that's the level of maturity that i'm at so medieval just recorded three hours on gladiator um which i have for some reason volunteered to edit for her so expect to see that sometime in september Ha!
0: <laughs> <laughs> right um Yeah, and you can reach the show at GlassOnionMin, all one word. Uh, Please um, rate, review, subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Um, Ollie, what is your favorite medium of communication?
1: For me, um, Facebook Messenger.
0: All right, then uh, according to Ollie, you should pick one person who you think might enjoy an episode of this show. Pick your favorite or your least favorite or just this one because it's the one you're listening to and Facebook message a link to it to that person uh i personally um am at the omniarch t-h-e-o-m-n-i-a-r-c-h on all of the things uh except twitch where i'm the underscore omniarch and haven't done it for over two years so i don't know why why to bother but i also host uh tanked up the podcast all about craft beer and video games uh you can find us at tanked up cast on your face uh your um, uh, twitters and instagrams uh if you happen to only like one of those two spheres No worry about it. Just fast forward through the other bits. Um, (laughs) And that's going to do it for us today. Uh, So, this has been Monday's episode. Uh, I've been Adil. And I've been Ollie. Well, see you tomorrow.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.